Good morning. Um, I am uh, I am Mr. Lemons. Uh, Mr. Walls couldn't make it today, so I'm the substitute preacher. Um, the, while we start, I have an awesome video for y'all to show. If y'all behave, maybe he can finish it next week. Uh, we're going to watch a little clip from The Chosen, and uh, so roll that beautiful footage there. Down for a catch. What? A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. We've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. My brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do 
you are for me. Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. as well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish to the market and settle up Simon's debt. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. All right, so just like any good substitute teacher, you got to show a video. Uh, I just didn't pull out the whole cart and the whole thing of 90 kids. You always was so excited when you get to class and you saw that cart. And uh, just so you know, I think I just threw the last one away at Jefferson Middle School. Uh, so that is an ancient history. I'm sure there's one hiding in a closet somewhere that I haven't not hunted down and found yet. Um, and uh, but I will destroy that promptly. Um, so. I'm a visual learner, okay, and this is what we're going to do, and, uh, you know, I know, especially when I was young, I would, I would hear the story that I'm about to read, and I would think, you know, bass fishing boat and fishing and all those things, and uh, uh, I think that kind of takes away from the story. Um, there's some problems I have with that, um, and uh, we'll kind of talk about um, that, and um, uh, we'll, we'll move on from there, and uh, just so you know, uh, I, I knew I was preaching Thursday, um, and today is Sunday, so, you know, there's not a lot of prepared time, but I found this new thing. It's an AIGBT chatbot, and uh, so I just typed in Luke 5, and uh, here, we're good today, you know. Uh, some use the Holy Spirit. I use the chatbot. I'm sure God can work through that. Um, I only have a kid. Um, so, uh, I'm going to read the passage here. Uh, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him, listening to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, uh, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, We worked hard all night last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Now, when I first read this, I always just kind of thought, he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll do it. Yes, sir. But, you know, I have a feeling I wore this on purpose. This was more of a middle school. We worked all night last night. Didn't catch a thing, but I will if you say so. Now, that, that, I think it's more like that. So that's, that's why I got the hood today. Just for that one purpose. And um, so... Um, Peter says that, and then um, he goes out, he finally goes out, and the, this time their nets were, well, let's see, I lost my spot, Masters, and this time they let their nets out, so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout to, for help brought their partners uh, in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon realized when Simon Peter realized what was hap- what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught and where, and where the others 
as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, and the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let's pray real quick. Uh, Father, um, I just thank you for this opportunity. Uh, uh, I thank you for the, the songs uh, the, that you picked out today that fit so well with a sermon that was written basically last night. And um, have known the things that you put together and the plans that you have for all of us. Um, I thank you so much for that. I pray that we have uh, open ears, open hearts, and that we learn something about you uh, today. And that when we walk out of here, we're a little bit different and a little bit better because we're closer to you. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Um, So if you pull up the uh, picture of the Sea of Galilee that I have up there. Um, When we say a sea... Sorry, I'm going to battle this thing. Oh, I hate these things. And I feel like Britney Spears up here anyways with it. So. Um, when we talk about the Sea of Galilee, uh, it, it's not really a sea. It's a lake. Okay, So in, in my imagery, I always ev- imagined the ocean. All right? This is like a really uh, a big lake. So if this is actually a picture. It kind of gives you an idea of what the Sea of Galilee um, um, looks like there. So I'm going to have these, these pictures up the whole time so you can try to get that imagery of the story of what's happening here. And um, this is one of my favorite uh, sermons, or not my favorite sermons, that's um, humble, isn't it? Uh, one of my favorite passages, uh, uh, this, is, this is one of the passages that really changed my life a, uh, a while ago, and um, so I'm just going to work through it and talk about some things um, and, uh, uh, and go from there. So first, let's, let's look at our characters in the story. Okay, let's break it down. We have, uh, we have four characters. All right, we have the crowd. So let's talk about the crowd first. Um, does anybody know anything about the crowd? No, because it's the crowd, right? Like that's what that's what, in every story you have a, a crowd, and then they're like, what's what's important about the crowd? Does the crowd change the story at all? If we eliminate the crowd, is the story changed? Nope. Right? Like like that. That's not what we want to be in the story. Okay. So easy application here. We don't want to be another brick in the wall. We don't want to be um, the, 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 the non-players in the video games that just go around the background saying the same things and all that stuff. Like, like no one really strives to, to be that guy. But what are we most of the time in life? We want to fit in the crowd. We don't want to step out of the crowd too much. Uh, even though every movie, every book, every story we tell, we want to be the main characters. Where do we fall into most of the time? Right with the crowd, okay? So you have the crowd. That's character uh, number one. Character number two is we have Simon Peter. Okay, and he's coming in from a frustrating day at work. Okay, so we have to remember that Peter was a fisherman. This was his job. He wasn't just out um, uh, fishing, okay? And back then, the best time to fish would have been at night. So he was probably out all night long, okay? He had been out all night long uh, the... the, the, um, the, the show there, it, it, it kind of dramatizes it. He's in all this debt, things like that, if you've seen it. We don't know if Peter was in debt. We don't know what his situation was before this. But we know he's out trying to fish all night, wasn't catching a thing. He tried all the tricks um, that he knew, tried all the good fishing holes. He was done, right? Like, he was absolutely finished. Everything he tried didn't work. He was frustrated. And think, he's not just frustrated because he went home empty. Like, if he doesn't catch fish, he doesn't get paid. All right, so he's worked all day, and he doesn't get any wages. All right, so Peter's done. He's frustrated, and that's his mindset at that time. And then we have a character that I've never thought about until I prepared for this sermon. Never one time have I ever thought about the fish. 
right? Like, like I was listening to one of the sermons, and the guy, he's like, here's the characters and the fish. And I was like, you know, never thought about the fish. And then when you think about it, who has the most faith in the whole daggum story? The fish, right? Like they didn't just jump into the nets on their own. Jesus commanded them to do it. What did they do? They did it, right? So out of all the characters in there, I completely uh, have forgotten about the fish. And here's what's sad is that the fish, like fish in general, uh, when I used to teach a history uh, back in the day, we used to read a book called Umpton St. Clair's The Jungle. If you know what that is, you can get bonus points uh, later on. But Umpton St. Clair's The Jungle is about the meatpacking industry. Okay, and it basically the FDA and all this stuff comes from this book. This guy wrote um, all these gruesome things that would happen in the meatpacking industry. And uh, when people read it, they were like, oh, that's gross. I don't want to eat this. Okay, so like so we would read a section out of the, uh, the, the book and it would be things like there's like this pit in the factory and like people would fall in the pit and they would just grind them up and send them out as food and people would eat food. So imagine reading that book and you're like, oh, oh you know. Um, another thing is that uh, the, to, the, for the meat, they would have all this meat laid out on the floor and they'd have shovels and they'd be throwing it to the grinders or whatever and there'd just be rats all over it. If there's a rat in the shovel, it didn't matter. Uh, you just rats, people, whatever, okay. So it's just disgusting stuff. And the kids would read this little section. At the end, they'd have to tell me who they feel sorry for. They feel sorry for the consumers, that, or they feel f- sorry for the workers, or for the animals. Most people, okay, most people say they felt sorry for the workers, because they weren't eating the food, right? But back in the day, forget who's working there, this is the stuff I'm eating. And then there was always one sweet soul that felt sorry for the animals. God love them in their animal right activism, all right? Uh, so, and listen... Listen, I love animal right activists, okay? I support, I'm an animal right activist. I want, you, I want as many vegans as possible on the earth. I am full, I'm going to use this platform right now to support veganism. I don't know if that's how you really say it, but uh, veganism, because the more people that aren't eating meat, the prices go down and that's more meat for me. So please, be a vegan, okay? So there's my plug. So after this lesson, okay, I would uh, show this video of modern day meatpacking uh, practices, okay, and it would go through, uh, it would go through what they do with pork, and it showed these, obviously it was very one-sided, and they would do these terrible things, they'd have, uh, they had this guy, he's smashing a pig, and they're punching him in the face, and it's just crazy stuff, like some people have some like real problems, and um, so uh, they'd show them, and all the kids would feel bad for the pig, then we'd go into poultry, and the chickens would be hanging upside down, just a buzzsaw cutting their heads off, womp, 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 just by the dozen, you know. And the kids are like, oh my gosh, chickens. Um, and then the eggs, they'd just talk about the egg industry. They, you know, the, the egg industry would get all these chickens, and when they had males, they'd just have a trash can. And they'd just throw the males in the trash can and tie up the bag and throw them in the dumpster and just suffocate all these uh, thousands and thousands. So, I mean, it's just all this stuff. And then, um, from, so we had the eggs. Oh, and then we had cows, and there's this brutal way that they were killing cows. Um, it was really gross, lots of blood. Kids loved it, all right, and uh, no parent phone calls. I don't know how that happened. I was amazed every time. I was just going to ride it till I got a parent phone call, and it never happened. I have no idea um, why. Um, but then the last one, so we'd go through all this, and they'd be like, oh, gross, oh, uh, and that poor one little animal right activist in the back is just like painted in the back, and I was like, oh, God. And, um, and, and the best one, though, the best, that lesson was always great right before lunch. I loved it right before lunch. They, everybody would come back. I didn't do that. I don't know why. Um, so, but the last section was always fish, right? So you had all this, and they felt sorry for it. And every single time in the lesson, every single time when the fish came up, there would have some in the back, nah, we don't care about fish. Who cares? 
Like, it's just a fish. Right? And I mean, it was brutal, too. They'd get this fish, they'd skin them alive, and they're flopping with no skin. It was gross, right? And then the kids are like, yeah, whatever, a fish. All right? And me, being a hunter and a fisherman, I have never one time in my life told somebody I fish, and they've, like, come at me, and I've had to, like, and think about fishing. Like, you have to kill two animals to fish. You kill a worm, and you hook it brutally, right? And then you cast it out and drown it. So it's not only been pierced, it's now drowning in the Dagum Lake, and then it gets eaten by another animal. You drag that animal in and suffocate him, and then that's, that's fishing, and nobody ever cries about that. But, but the first time I shoot Bambi, everybody's oh, all right, like you shoot him, they're dead in two seconds, and since it's over, and everybody flips out about Bambi, but nobody about the fish, okay? So that's what we have here. The most faithful character in the entire story, okay, nobody cares about. Nobody cares about. So there's our characters. And of course, the last character is uh, Jesus. Um, the last character is Jesus. He's teaching the crowds. They're listening. It's obviously pretty good, A, because he's Jesus. But, you know, the text evidence there. Uh, where's my literacy coach? Come on. Text evidence. All right, good. Um, I've got to call somebody out every time. Uh, so uh, the, the text evidence there, they're pressing on him, right? Like they're, they're excited. They may be there. Uh, the crowds, you know, we talked about them. They may be there to get a healing. They may be there to get a, uh, just to hear a good lesson. They may just see what, the, what this is all about. They don't know. We don't know much about the crowd, but they're pressing on him. And Jesus gets out in the boat, and uh, he starts preaching the sermon. So that's kind of where we're at in the story. And then Jesus says one of the only two things... Uh, that, that he says in the entire story. He says, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets and catch some fish. And then Peter says, with my hood up, we worked all night last night, but you say so, I'll do it again. All right? And, you know, I love Peter, but is this not like his struggle, the whole New Testament? Right? Like he's almost there. Like he does it, but it's kind of... Uh, you know, just he's not quite. It's kind of, it's kind of a half-hearted approach. You know, Ugh, you're almost there, Peter. Like you're better. He's better than the crowd. Like we give him that, but he's just oh, you're so close. Like we read Peter, and he almost, he gets bashed all the time. Uh, think about some of the other stories um, about Peter. We'll get into that a little bit, but he, he he's just not. He's just he's oh, he's so close, and it's so frustrating to read about Peter because he's always so close. And then like like we said, talk about the fish. You know, at that moment, I think at that moment when the, when Jesus somehow, I don't know, telepathically, like Aquaman, I don't know uh, what, what happens here, or I don't know. You know, but somehow the fish know to jump into Peter's nets. And they go, it, it, like, even despite knowing that they're, well, they may not know that they're going to die, they're fish, they're pretty dumb. Um, but they go in, they die, and that, that, that's kind of what it looks more like um, to, to follow Christ, I believe. So I would encourage you today, okay, to know, you know, Peter here, he's, he is at a low point, okay? He may, in, the, in the show, they make him like at the lowest point ever, right? We don't know what, what but he, he's definitely at a low point. He's definitely had at least a bad night, and um, he's sitting there, and this guy, you know, he, like I said, you saw those nets. I, thought, I mean, these guys would have been buff, right? They're, they're pulling in these nets. He's done. It's finished. It's all night long. It's probably starting to get hot, Okay, it's starting to get hot. He just wants to go home and try again. And Jesus says, listen, I need you to do it one more time, brother. Okay, it, it doesn't make sense, I know, but you need to do it one more time. So on his biggest frustration, he's about to get his biggest blessing. And, um, you know, and, and, and like, 
I think the, 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 the part I don't like about the chosen there is the fact that they just do it off the shore. I think it's a huge, important uh, part that Jesus tells them to go back out to the deep, okay? Because that means that Peter's got to do what? He's got to get his nets back in. He's got to go all the way back out there. Like, that's so frustrating and so annoying that they, like, save time on the show to not do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so Peter has to do all these things. He does it reluctantly. He goes out there. He does it one more time. So the lesson one in all this point uh, number one is that God works best when you're most desperate and you're completely relying on Him, right? Completely relying on Him. That's why, I, like, listen, I was ugly crying over here for the song, song David. I do that anyways, but then, like, I was trying not to because I knew I had to come up here without snot on my face, so I, like, double ugly cried, all right? And I love that song because just the desperation that He has trying to see Jesus, right? Like, ah. And y'all don't know about you all, but in my life, like, I feel so vulnerable up here talking about Jesus, right? Like, because I didn't do anything. I don't have any authority on my own to come up here and talk in front of people to talk about how wonderful and great God is, right? Like, I have no authority. But somehow, for some reason, God has chosen me, and I don't know why, right? So that desperation, um, I, it's just unbelievable. Like, and I know in my heart... That anything you get out of this sermon isn't coming from me. All right? It's coming from an AI robot. But, um, uh, so, uh, I, I really relate to that story. So, point number two. All right, the other day, lottery, Powerball lottery was like right close to a billion dollars. I know you all saw that. I bought a lottery ticket. Some of y'all are judging me right now because I bought a lottery ticket, and that's fine. But when I win one day, and we look like one of those luxury theaters, and y'all are rolling back getting popcorn, now how come talk to me about judging me? All right. So we, so I bought a, so we bought a lottery ticket, and, and I took the lottery ticket home. I went to the dinner table, and I was like, boys, we're going to be billionaires tomorrow. All right, tomorrow we're going to win it. We're going to speak it in the truth right here. We're going to test that right here. Uh, we're going to do that. So now I've got a lottery ticket. I'm quoting Joel Olstein. I'm about to get something thrown at me. All right, and uh, so, uh, so uh, we're sitting around the, 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 uh, the dinner table, and we're like, all right, guys, we win a billion dollars. What are we going to buy? What are we going to buy tomorrow? And from a four-year-old and an eight-year-old's perspective, it was really fun to see what they're going to buy. At one point, we had a rainbow um, pool, swimming pool, a rainbow swimming pool. I don't know what that is, but it sounds fun. Uh, we had four-wheelers. We had a hot tub of some sort, a trampoline room. Uh, it was going to be so much fun. Like We had a blast winning a, our fake billion dollars. Okay, It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and I imagine that Peter and all his uh, homies... I imagine they had all these same conversations that night, right? That they go out on their boat and they're saying, man, what if we got a whole net? We could, imagine if we got this many fish. We could do this. All right? We could fill that up. We could, we could buy that new net. We could buy that new boat. I might be able to take my wife to Jerusalem this year. Like, you know what it is? Like, what, what, I don't know what fantasies they had. Um, but they had all these things that they were imagining. Okay, they had all these things that they were imagining, and as the night grew longer, and it starts getting to 3 to 4 a.m., expectations start to dim as the sun starts to rise. They start to get beaten down. And then Jesus goes out there and tells them one more cast. And that cast, better than anything they could have ever imagined that night, right? Like, God's blessings way better than a billion dollar 
a lottery ticket. So like that, they cast and they caught so many more fish. And they, in any of those conversations, there's no way that they could have predicted how many fish they could have actually caught. The nets were ripping. Two boats, that's another thing. There's two boats full. It's beyond anything they could have ever imagined. God's blessing in our lives can be anything or be anything beyond we can measure. Okay? Now, it would be really easy right there to end the sermon and be like, all right, go out to the deep, cast your nets, and God will bless you beyond any measure, right? <laughs> Tell that to the fish. The one with the most faith in the whole story. Yeah, that blessing was awesome. Getting drugged out of the ocean and suffocating to death with thousands of other homies. That ain't cool, right? So, and look at Peter. All right, he's got all these fish, all those things, all those things that they were talking about the night before. Did he get off that boat like, hey, God, or Jesus, let's make a deal here. You do this for me once a week, I'll give you 90, 10, something like that. Let's make a deal here. This is an awesome deal. No, right? From all accounts, what does he even do with the fish? Leaves them. So the blessing he thought that he imagined he'd get or probably he prayed for, he just leaves. Because at that moment, for whatever reason, Peter realized, hey, this, is, this, this Jesus guy is beyond anything that's happening here. Okay, Think about uh, Peter's reaction. When he gets off that boat, what does he do? Like, like, this ain't just a good day, guy. Like, I think it's hard for us to not think, like, he just had a good day of fishing. This isn't just a good day. This is a miracle. Like, his reaction is the same when Isaiah sees God's face. He falls on his knees. I'm a sinner. Get away from me. I do not deserve you. What is happening here? All right? So this isn't, this isn't a, we got some fish and I get to buy a new house blessing. This is life-changing miracle here that's nothing that he could have ever planned for. There's no way that in any, any of his conversations that night led him to this moment. Right? So the things that we're praying for right now in life, you follow God, you're going to get way more than that. It's not going to look anything like what you think you're praying for right now. I've been there. You know? I've been there. I think, oh, this, this is what I need, God. This is what I need. And then I either don't get it, and there's things that happen. I mean, it's, it, there's, God, God's plan is so much better than anything that we can plan. I promise. I know some of y'all, some of y'all like hyperventilated just thinking about like preaching a sermon from Thursday to Sunday. Like you all are planners, right? And I, listen, I don't like, like to do it, okay? When Tony sent out the group text, for us to pray, like we were all crickets for like an hour, and I was like, oh, "Come on, maybe sort of, you know, like like it's not anything." So I know some of y'all are planners, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I promise you that those plans are nowhere near as good as what God has. I promise you, I guarantee it. I don't guarantee it. The Bible guarantees it. He leaves the fish. You know, in the one of the, I, I hardly listen to pop songs right now, but. Every once in a while, one strikes me. And uh, right now, I have this weird mix of Miley Cyrus and Bruno Mars in my head, and I can't get the melodies right. And I, can't, I sing both songs back and forth. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are old. Um, and um, so uh, Miley Cyrus has this song right now, Flowers. And she has this line. And basically, the whole song is that she doesn't need a man. All right? She can do things better than you can. And uh, which I agree with that most single girls in here. Let me tell you, you don't need a man. All right, there's another little pitch in there. You do, you do you. Don't worry about that. 
uh, guys are pretty much stupid until about the age of 30. If you ask my wife, she'd say 36. All right, so. Um, but there's a, there's a line in that song, and it says, uh, I can love me better than you can. All right, and I think for the first time when all those fish are being pulled out of the boat, Peter realizes that Jesus can love Peter better than Peter can. I think that's the first time that he kind of sees it. Okay, and listen, Peter's going to struggle, okay, like we talked about earlier. He definitely ain't got it completely figured out, okay? Now, he's almost there. He's so close. Think about when he walks on the water. All right, Jesus walking on the water. Peter's kind of... Then he's standing. It blows my mind. I don't know. I've never walked on water, so I don't know. I can't judge him. He steps out, and then he's like, oh, snap! I started, but now I can't do it. He freaks out, right? Like, he was so close. And Jesus, like, you little faith. And he doesn't bash the other guys who never got out of the boat or sitting there crying. But anyways, um, uh, you know, he has that moment. Of course, uh, you know, after all the teaching, you know, Jesus, I, you know, he's trying to reiterate, hey, you know, my, this, this kingdom thing, the Romans and all that, like, my plans are so much bigger than what the Romans are doing in here, okay? Like, like us taking over Jerusalem? No, we're talking about an eternal kingdom, Peter, right? And then when the moment comes, here comes the Romans, they capture Jesus, <laughs> earshot, which, did he miss, or did he really try to chop off somebody's ear? Come on. Peter, um, even that. So he tries to, you know, he cuts off a guy's ear. Jesus puts it back on, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, after all that, he stills missed the point. All right, Jesus, like, hey, listen, I'll, you know, Peter's all, hey, I'm gonna do it. I'm, 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 I'm here for you. I'm gonna do anything I can. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, dude, you're gonna deny me three times, right? You're gonna deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter's like, oh, and then sure enough, I don't know that guy. I don't know. I don't know, right? And so Peter, he's just, he, he, he struggles through this with this for the entire Gospels. And then we get to the uh, Gospel of John. And uh, this is quite a long read, so I'm going to try to read it slow here. So in, in John chapter 21, we kind of have our story again. It's kind of the same story. This is after all Jesus' ministry. Jesus has been resurrected at this point, and he appears to the disciples again. It says, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the other two disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come, we'll come too, they all said. So they went out to the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Again. Maybe they were just bad fishermen, you know. We just... At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right hand or the right hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciples then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he was stripped for work. I jumped into the water and headed to shore. I remember Tony preaching this. Just a little fun fact here. I remember Tony preaching this several years ago, and I remember as soon as he read that passage, I was thinking about Forrest Gump when he sees Lieutenant Dan on the deck, and, like, and I can't get that image out of my head, and then Tony used that example, and it like, I, I felt like we connected at that moment, and I was like, that's exactly what it is. I just see, and the boat crashes. It was a great scene. Anyway, sorry. Um, the others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, so they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. 
So Simon Peter went abroad, aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net had not torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him who you are. They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. And after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of your sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said, and feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said, Jesus said to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. So, again, we have Peter. He's at a real low now, right? Like, he's denied Jesus three times. He is in the dumps. And Jesus definitely looking. He's like, hey, remember last time you were in desperate? All right, remember last time you were desperate? What did you do? I blessed you beyond anything you could ever dreamed of. All right, so I think, you know, he's, he's I, I know, we messed up. I told you you were going to mess up. I already knew you were going to mess up, and I still, you know, I still want you to follow me. All right, and I have, I, I, we don't know 100%. It doesn't really say, because then, then Peter goes on another tangent, like, well, how's John going to die? And like, ah, oh, John, Peter, get it together, son. All right, but then, but the next time we see Peter in Acts, he's a different dude, right? Like, he's not half-hearting doing this thing. I've had to practice that half thing. But half-heartedly doing anything, okay? Like, he is full bore. He's standing in front of councils. He's preaching. He's fishers of men. He's saving by the thousands. In our first story we learned about Peter, he's catching things to kill him. Now he's catching men to save him, right? How cool is that? He's standing in front of councils. He's like, what are you going to do to me? You can't do nothing to me. All right, I'm here. I mean, he's, he's calling him, mur- like, I mean, he's as blunt as anybody can get. He's looking at those dudes. He's like, hey, y'all murdered Jesus. But he was resurrected. I mean, I mean, just, and, and like, even the councils are impressed by how bold he is. What happened? Like, what happened between Luke and Acts that we have this Peter? Um, um, I, you know, I, I don't know, but I have a feeling that he was more like the stupid fish than he was the stupid Peter in the first story, right? He's just going all in, right? He, he, there's no he, he's not going. He's decided the crowd isn't for him. He's going all in. Whatever happens, happens. All right, because I know he. I, when 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 Jesus says follow me, and I follow him, the things that are going to happen is going to be beyond any plan that I have. You know, so he's finally, he's finally become the fish. He's finally all faithful. He's jumping in, he's going all in. And a legend says that Peter went all in so much, eventually he would die on a cross upside down. All right? So I don't know where the health and wealth gospel is there, because I don't know what it looks like. But whatever reason, for whatever reason, that's how God chose it, right? And it's still a great, amazing, awesome plan, because he's an all-knowing all-powerful, eternal God. 
His plans are eternal. Ours are, you know, I'm 36 years old. He's eternal. Right? So his plans are going to be so much better. And his, just think, he used a stupid fish to change the world. All right? He used a stupid dude that couldn't figure out anything to change the world. Yet we still want to try to be in the crowd so much. So what does it look like to be fishers of men? I'd say it looks a little bit like what Peter does. I'd say it looks like what it looks to be the fish there. Now, so what does that look like today? Okay, I mean, I think, you know, I'd like to give some real-world applications here, and I think it looks different for everybody. And I'm going to lean in a little bit because I'm not the preacher and I don't have to email, so uh, you all just send emails to Tony Walls, and I'll let you uh, him address that. But uh, for some of us, what does that look like? Men, for some of you all, it's picking up a dadgum phone and it's calling a marriage counselor for your wife that's been asking for it for years. Right? Go all in. Who cares? It's not, it's, it's, there's no shame in going to a counselor, especially for somebody that you promised to love for the rest of your life. You won't go share your emotions for an hour? All right? Go get, pick up the phone, get a babysitter, call, call a marriage counselor because the other alternative is divorce. And which one do you think God likes more? You sharing your feelings or getting a divorce? Pick up a phone, be a man, all right, and go to a daggum counseling session. There's no shame in it. No one's judging you, all right? There's 50% of Americans are getting divorced today. That's, that's a pretty big crowd. So which, what crowd are you going to be a part of there, all right? Maybe it's waking up early, guys, and fixing your kids and wife a daggum breakfast and giving your wife a break in the morning. All right? Listen, it's not that hard. Okay, my wife has fixed countless of unbelievable meals. Unbelievable. Great meals. She cooks something like, like one of my biggest complaints, I don't get spaghetti enough because she likes to cook so many different things, right? Like everyone's like, can we just like do spaghetti? Um, so like, like unbelievable meals. Every day, Jordan fixes a great meal. One of the most legendary meals in our house is Jordan was out of town, and I didn't know what to do, so I threw about 500 chicken nuggets in an air fryer, and I popped them out, put them in a popcorn bowl. Kids talk about that all the time, right? Like, they love the popcorn. They're like, hey, can we have the popcorn uh, chicken bowl? Like, yeah, let's do that, because that's all I can do. All right, so guys, get up one morning. All right, fix breakfast for your family. Give your wife a break. All right, go all into your marriage. All right, stop using... You are, you're a man. All right, don't be another child for your wife, okay? Don't be another child. Don't be another burden. Don't be another thing. Help your wife every once in a while and cook something, clean something. Um, and, you know, and, and Jesus says to, to Peter there, when you were a child, you did what you want. When you grow old, other people kind of dictate what you want. When you get married... You've signed up to not do everything that you want. You have to sacrifice some of those things. You have to be a fish. You need to be doing everything you can for your marriage. All right? I don't know if I have the authority to say that, but I did. So. Now, wives. Listen, I ain't going nowhere near that, all right? So. <laughs> so. You know. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. You know, maybe right now we have elder nominations right now. Maybe God's, you know, maybe God's putting on your heart to be an elder, and you're thinking, oh God, 
I can't teach. I can't get up there and do that stuff. Yeah, you can. You can't do anything by yourself. That's the whole point of the Bible. All right? Go take that risk. Take that chance. Cast out your net. Okay? Um, you know, kind of go back to the husband's thing and maybe wives. You know, we're in 2023 here. All right? You're more than just a paycheck for your family. All right? It may be quitting that job that's sucking your soul and sucking the soul out of your family. Quit that daggum job. It's not worth it. Listen, as somebody who gets to hire people, we'll replace you. All right? I'm just telling you, we'll find somebody else. The job will move on. I promise the wheels will spin. You get one shot with your kids. One. Don't blow it because of some job. All right? When you come home and you're tired from working and your kids want to play, and this, this convicts me, cast that net one more time. Play with your kids. All right. When your kids go to bed, cast that net one more time. Help your wife out with something. All right. And then go to bed and do it all over again. Why? Because you're a man. Or you're an adult. Or dadgummit, you're a mature Christian. All right. And that's what we're called to do when we have families. So I don't, I, I don't know if that's going on a mission trip. I don't know if that's adopting a kid. I don't know what that looks like. But whatever is, imp- whatever is in your head and you think that is impossible for me to do, I promise it's not. All right? I promise you that it is not impossible for you to do. All right? It is impossible for you to do, but it's not impossible for God to do. All right? He will do it and it will be whatever plan you have for that or whatever insecurity that you say, I can't do this because this, this, and this. You're wrong. I'm just telling you, it's wrong. God has a much better way, a much better plan for you to go. So go do it. Cast the net one more time. All right, cast the net. There's going to be more abundance of fish, and then the fish, you're going to leave them because you realize that that's not really what the point is here. Okay? I've been there. I understand. For me, personally, since I've been kind of leaning in, you know what i got to do? i got to pick up my Bible. All right, I've been awful. All right, I've been awful. I, and, and, you know, in, in my prayer life, I've been like, God, I'm doing all this stuff at work. And I don't feel you. I feel like I'm just doing this. And he's like, you dummy, you haven't read your Bible in months, maybe years, I don't know. Right? So I know, I know where I have to cast my net. I have to read my Bible. I got to. Right? In In order for me to get right. So, so, I heard this song years ago, and I knew I was going to get into a sermon at some point. And uh, today's the day. Um, it's Lady Gaga. I'm a, uh, I'm a uh, closet Lady Gaga fan, uh, believe it or not. Um, uh, don't judge me. Uh, I've lottery ticket. Uh, <laughs> Lady Gaga. I'm on the struggle bus. Um, so, so I'm leave this Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper song. It says, uh, this is the Shallows. It says, tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world? Or do you need me... Or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? I'm falling in all the good times I find myself longing for change. And in the bad times I fear myself. Tell me something, boy. Aren't you tired of filling that void? Or do you need more? Ain't it hard keeping it so hardcore? Let me think about that. Like, is that not the crowd? You're trying to keep it so hardcore. You're trying to find this change. You're trying to do all this stuff, and it just, you're never satisfying. You're digging and sinking sand. Right? You're trying all this stuff on your own. You're doing this, you're doing that, and you're just, you're not getting anywhere. Your wheels are spinning. And then right here, I'm off the deep end, 
watch as I dive in, I'll never meet the ground. Right? Like when you go out, when, when you finally decide to go cast your nets out in the deep, there is no, there's no ground. There's no shit. You're not in the deep. You're not, you're, you're not in the shallows anymore. Right? It's beyond anything you can ever imagine once you cast that net out. I promise you. So let's pray. Father, I don't know where we're at emotionally, spiritually, financially. Don't know where we're all at in our marriages. But I pray that we trust you with it. And that we quit trying to come up with our own solutions. And that we just let you love us. And we just follow you. And that we trust that you are the all-knowing, all-eternal, all-creating everything, God. And that we cast our nets into you. Uh, we get out of the shallows. And we go deep. And we go all in to follow your plan and to uh, do your will. I pray all this in your name. Amen.